Well, it's good to see everybody this morning. My name's Nate, if I haven't had a chance to meet you. And would you welcome everybody watching online right now and in our video venue, we want to welcome them. Let them know that we're glad that you're tuning in. And uh, let me just say, man, I love my church. Uh, when the worship leader can make fun of himself and not be a prima donna, you know you're in the right church, man. And, uh, and we will never know. We'll never know what it is to be like a gorgeous man. And uh, that is the cross Sam has to bear, you know, bear in his life. And so pray for him as Jesus continues to do a good work in him. Uh, but seriously, men's challenge. Men, if you've never been on this, this is a phenomenal weekend. I, I've got, I had a chance to go uh, literally, I think, to every single one. And every year I go, there is nothing like getting away, hearing from the Lord, to be in his word and to be challenged by other people, to be faithful followers of him. And this is just a great opportunity for you to be a part of. So please do that. And uh, something you need to know too, we, we, we love what God is doing. You know, you hear all the time, Northside, we just want to connect unconnected people to Jesus Christ. And uh, Ben is right, man. God has done a phenomenal work in the return. Matter of fact, six years ago when Ben got here to lead our college age ministry, the first night that he gathered, there were only six kids that showed up. And now we have over 100, and sometimes on their trips, we'll take over 150 on their trips, and we're going, this is a movement of God, and this is something that we all get to celebrate because all of us are a part of this. God is calling all of us to say, no, this church isn't just to exist to connect us to Christ. It's to connect unconnected. It is to continue to say, hey, we want to see everybody, everywhere, every age, every race come to know Jesus. That's why we're doing this series called Tough Love. Because the toughest love that you will ever experience in your life is the love that Jesus has for you. The love that left heaven to come for us because it would have been a whole lot easier for God just to look down from heaven and go, whoop, creation messed up again. Let me just send a lightning bolt. Right, let me just send a comment. Let's blow that thing up. I'm done. I've run out of patience. And what God does is he does what's tough and he continues to love. That's what's so tough about the love of God is it always is coming after us. Even when we're not coming after him, he's always coming after us. And that's why we're doing this study through the book of John, which is actually written by Jesus' best friend when he walked the earth, the apostle John. And what John records in his book to the church is to say, hey, I want to tell you about this love that the Father has for you. I want to talk to you when last week we looked in John chapter 3 when we looked at Nicodemus because tough love listens. Jesus meets us where we are and he says, it's okay if you have questions. Sometimes you might have grown up in a church that they stared at you if you asked a question. How dare you ask a question? And you're like, I'm just trying to figure this thing out. And Jesus says, no, 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 it's all right. Bring your questions. This week, we're going to be looking at how Jesus met the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and he invites her into this relationship with the father who made her when no one else is inviting her. And we know the power of an invitation, don't we? I mean, we love to be invited to stuff, even if it's to tell people no. You're like, still, can I tell you no? Like, I love to be invited. Give me the opportunity to say no. Some of you parents in here, you know the power of when someone calls you and they say your son or daughter made the travel team. And you go, wow, you want, you want my kid on your team? You, 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 you want them? We know the feeling when somebody invites you over for dinner. You're like, wow, you, you want to hang out with us? My buddy I played uh, high school basketball against called uh, me a couple weeks ago and, and said, hey, man, let's, let's line up dinner. And I said, man, I got three kids, so if you want your house destroyed, I can come on over. And he said, man, I got three kids as well. Come on over. And so they destroyed their house. Thank the Lord it wasn't mine. And, you know, they played. And we showed up. And I was excited just so you'd make time. 
And we showed up, and when I showed up, I looked in the kitchen there, and there was just this mountain of filet. And I went, Chris, I knew you had the Holy Spirit, my man. I knew you were a man of God. And it wasn't just the power of being invited. There's this, man, when somebody invites you in, and then they set the table for you. And you go, wow, man, you, you would spend money on me? Wow, you, you would do this for me? Matter of fact, I got this email this week, and at first I was like, Oh, and this is the power of marketing. I took a screenshot of it because this was the title of this email I got and the names on there. So I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying this is what they sent me. But Expedia sent me this email and this is what the title of the email said. You've succeeded in getting major discounts. Winky face. (laughs) Nathan, you're the one. (laughs) I'm the one. I'm the one. No one else got this email from Expedia. (laughs) Just me. Ma'am, you got the same one? I saw your hand, all right? Let me hit now. No, but what happens is this. So I click, I click on the button. It said 50% off. I'm like, you know, I wouldn't plan on taking vacation, but it's 50% off. I'll plan a vacation, man. I clicked on it. You know where you could fly? Everywhere you don't want to. They're like, why don't you vacation in Sacramento? Like, does that have a beach? No, that's why it's 50% off. I got it, man. Like, why don't you take a trip up to Detroit? (laughs) Literally, I began to go, wait, 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 wait. You want me to feel like this is personal. But you really don't know what I want. See, that's what marketing knows. They want you to get to buy in whatever way it feels personal to you. And the real thing is this. They they just want it to feel personal. They just want you to feel like this is something that you already wanted and we're just doing this for you. And we know when people begin to take advantage of us, don't they? Don't we? We go to, wait a second. I think you, you just want me to participate for your benefit, not for my benefit. Man, we, we all have that radar in our mind. You go, I think you're more just in this for you than you are for me. See, this is why it's tough love, because a lot of times that's the way it's easy for us to live. Let, let's just use people for our benefit instead of us loving people for their benefit. See, this is where we find Jesus in John chapter 4. Is Jesus is baptizing with his disciples. He's going, I'm here for your benefit. This is why there's nothing like the grace of God, because the grace of God is always for your benefit. It's always for your good. The truth of God is always for your good. Even if you might struggle with it, even if you might have questions about it, it's always for your and my good. And Jesus in John chapter 4, he's baptizing, and then it says he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. He's going home, but this is, it says something real interesting in John chapter 4 verse 4. It said, now he had to go through Samaria. What What do you mean he had to go through Samaria? See, Jesus, when he walked this earth, sometimes we feel like he just walked around like Superman. And he just did what he didn't, he's not like us, he's Jesus. And so, yes, he's Jesus, but I'm me. And no, 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 Jesus always lived dependent on the Holy Spirit. Wherever the Spirit led him, he would go. That's why when we follow Jesus, he gives us his presence, his Holy Spirit in our life so we can live as he lived, following and paying attention to the Holy Spirit. And when it said, that he had to go through Samaria. What it's saying is this, the Holy Spirit was leading him into Samaria. Now, for some of you, you're going, I don't even know where that is. I don't know what this is talking about. Let me give you a little bit of the cultural context. 
Jesus was a Jew and Samaritans were half Jewish. And so there was some deep hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans. To, to let me put it in a little bit of a context and culture, it would be like me saying, I'm going to visit my sister who's a missionary in Romania, and then to go, and on the way back, I have to go through Syria. You'd go, Nate, I know you look the part, but you might not want to go there, my man. <laughs> you, might, you might not make it out of there. Turns out there's a little bit of a rivalry going on between America and Syria right now, it might not be the wisest thing. So put that in your context. And Jesus says, I have to go through Samaria. Understand where Jesus is going. And understand who he's inviting into a relationship. With that context in mind, what I want us to do is I'm going to read, it's going to be just about 20 verses. And the reason why I want to do it is this. This is one of the longest recorded conversations in the Bible between Jesus and someone else. And the thing about Jesus is this. He will surprise you with who he will love and who he will talk to and who he will give grace to. And we need to pay attention to the love and the people that he wants to love. Because it's going to point the direction to who we need to love in this world. Listen to what it says here in John chapter 4 verse 5. It says this, after that, now he had to go through Samaria, and in verse 5 he said, So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Those are Old Testament heroes. In the, and Jacob's well were, was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about the sixth hour noon, about right now almost. And it said, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? And his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Matter of fact, it wasn't just that Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. It was tradition that Jewish men wouldn't even talk to women in public other than their wife. And here is Jesus talking to a woman who's a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his flocks and his herds. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. Notice that Jesus is about ready to change the conversation. It's not just about surface level stuff. He's going to the heart of the issue. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. It's like Maury Povich. He is not your husband, you know? <laughs> what you have just said is quite true. 
Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our fathers, and, and, and sometimes, I don't know if you've done this before, but when you start inviting people to church or sharing Christ, so you, you might do it real nicely and somebody brings up something bad about Christianity. You might go, hey, why don't you come to church? And you go, oh, yeah, I'll do that once everybody apologizes for the, apologizes for the crusades. And you go, whoa, I'm, I'm just saying come to church with me, man. But what people have is this. Sometimes when you start bringing up issues in their life and inviting them in there, they're ready to push back. What we need to understand is this. When Jesus invites people into a relationship, we need to understand people are going to push back. This lady's pushing back on Jesus going, fine, you're telling me about my life. I've got an issue with you. I can see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, the time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. He's letting her in on information nobody else knows about. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Jesus was a Jew. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. You know, the, uh, the lowest point of my time in high school came my freshman year. Freshman year can be a hard time for a lot of people, a lot of adjustments in high school. And uh, at my high school in Las Vegas, it was a huge high school, it was 3,700 kids. And uh, I wanted to be on the basketball team so bad. And the worst day of my life in high school was that day when they announced who made the team and who got cut. And uh, I remember leaving tryouts and my mom came by and she picked me up. And I, I remember her just coming by and simply asking this question, how'd it go? And I remember just bawling, man, just bawling. Because literally every single one of my friends made the team except me. Now, I should have picked up on a sign because I was cut in seventh grade and eighth grade that, that like <laughs> the Lord was like, come on, McFly, hello. Like, you know, this isn't what I've designed for you. And I began to think about this week because I would go, man, I, I can totally resonate with this woman going, there's this point in time that we just feel at our absolute low. And I remember, man, crying. And I began to think about why was I crying so much? And yes, I loved basketball. And yes, I lived in Bloomington, Indiana before I moved to Vegas. So the Hoosiers and I, you got my veins, my blood and all sort of stuff. But really the problem was this, my freshman year, I had no identity. I had nothing to define me. I had nothing to hold on to. I had, I had nothing to kind of make my life about. And I was hoping and praying I could be on a team that could begin to give me purpose and a part of something bigger than myself. And when I got cut, it reminded me I have nothing to hold on to. Because I was in kind of an outgoing kid, I did theater in high school. And uh, the fall play, uh, they needed a high school kid who looked like he was 12 and hadn't gone through puberty. All right? They didn't even make me try out. They're like, they just looked at me like, you got the part, you know? And uh, 
I remember I showed up. I got to be in this play. And I remember I showed up and there was this guy named Gavin who was the senior. He was the lead. He was a stud, a basketball player. His seniors, great, super smart kid. Actually, he had moved to Vegas as well the year before because of his parents' job. He's a follower of Jesus. And he began to just ask, hey, Nate, what's going on? And who I was and all this other stuff. And I was like, why is this senior talking to me, a freshman? Why does this guy give a rip? At the end of rehearsal, he said, hey, man, do you, do you need a ride home? And this was back in the day where we had a pay phone outside the, the school. And uh, just in true honesty, what I would do is I would call my parents collect. I'd call, you know, when I had her collect, right? And then they would say, state your name. And I'd go, come pick me up outside the high school, right? And then they, would, they wouldn't accept. And then they would come pick me up, right? There was no cell phones, all right? We, I think that might have been stealing, but, for, you know, And I said, no, man, I just called my parents, collect, they come get me. And he goes, dude, let me give you a ride home. Why are you doing this, man? He became one of my best friends my freshman year. This senior that I could be of no benefit to. I got nothing for you, man. I can't drive. I don't have a job. I don't have I have nothing to offer you. And yet Gavin was like, dude, let me just let me be your friend, man. What's incredible is he's still one of my good friends today. And uh, matter of fact, he became an, a, an acoustical engineer. And uh, he's actually helping us redesign some of our rooms so they can become even more acoustically uh, perfected in their sound today. And I'm like, dude, this is unbelievable how God would bring people in our life. Matter of fact, he's so good that the band Coldplay called him and said, we want you to come and acoustically design our rehearsal studio. And I'm going, God, why does this guy care? You know why? He's a follower of Jesus. And followers of Jesus look at other people and go, I'm not looking for you to benefit me. I'm looking to be a benefit to you. See, Jesus met this woman at the well. And what happened is this. If you're following along, you want to write this in. This is what tough love looks like. Tough love invites us to smash the status quo. Too often times, this is our problem when we become a follower of Jesus, is we will only love people who look like us, act like us, go to our church, or sin like we sin. And then when people don't sin like we sin, or go to our church, or act like us, or look like us, we don't want to love or benefit them. And that is not what Jesus did. Jesus came in and he smashed the status quo. Not only would he talk to someone of the opposite sex, which here we are 2,000 later and we still have gender problems, don't we? Men still can't respect women. Not only is that going on, Jesus goes, no, I'm going to respect this woman. Not only that, I'm going to respect someone of a different race that the Jews actually hate. He came to smash the status quo of racism. To say every race, every nation, every sex matters to God. And he smashes every status quo. And he begins to talk about her life. And he didn't bring up the five husbands to shame this lady. Because if you know anything culturally about this time, no woman could file for divorce. So what does that mean if she's had five husbands? Who's done the divorcing? The men. The men got what they wanted from her. And when they had had enough, kicked her to the curb. You're starting to get the picture of who Jesus met at the well now, aren't you? 
a woman who's used and abused, someone who's a half Jew who's hated by the other Jewish people. Did you realize, too, when it said that she went to the well to get water, that it was at the sixth hour, which was at noon? When do you do the toughest yard work in the hottest part of the day? No, man. Right? That's why golf is actually the cheapest in the afternoon, if you've ever realized. And it's most expensive in the morning because it's like, go golf when it's cool. She's at the well at one of the hottest parts of the day. And here's why. Because all the other women would have left the well. This woman's full of shame. I don't even want to be around anybody. I'm so embarrassed of who I am and where I am in my life. I don't even want to be around anybody. That is exactly who Jesus meets and invites her and says, will you give me a drink? See, Jesus loves when it's tough. When, when we don't understand sometimes, he's always coming after us. Even if we don't think we're worth coming after, he's going, no, I'm coming after you. I'm coming after you. And he just starts simply with a simple invitation. Hey, will you just give me a drink? Sometimes we feel like, you know what, when, when Jesus invites people and when we invite people maybe to come to church or something like this, that we feel like once we invite them to church, or once they come to a church service, their whole life is going to change. And man, wouldn't that be easy? That would be the easiest way. But if we notice in this text as well, change happens over a period of time. First, she starts by calling Jesus this, you Jew, right? Then it goes from Jew to sir to prophet to Christ. There's a time of changing. We've got to allow people to process because Jesus dove into the deepest parts of our heart, starts beginning to talk about what's gone on in our heart. Sometimes this is why Christianity feels fake. It's because you're leaving Jesus on the surface of your life. I just want Jesus so I can get into heaven. Let me just let you know, that is a weak experience of Jesus. Oh, it's true. If you acknowledge him, it's great, man. You'll get to spend eternity with you. But he goes, I don't, I'm not waiting for eternity later. I want to spend eternity with you now. And I want to get into the deepest, darkest parts of your heart because that is where grace has come to set you free. That's why he dove into the story of her life. And then there's two things that we always talk about, two things that you're never supposed to talk about with a stranger, religion and what? Politics. What does Jesus do? He talks about religion and politics. Right? This is Jesus. He goes, oh yeah, you want to talk about where you worship because that was where the power is. Do you worship in the temple because that's that temple? And you guys destroyed our temple here in, in Sychar for the Samaritans. And you're saying this and you're saying that. And Jesus gets into it and he goes, you know what? I got a new politic for you. And guess what it is? It's me. I love what one author, Scott Saul, says is this. He says, if you have more in common with your political affiliation than you do with brothers and sisters in Christ, you're living wrong. If you identify more with your political party than you do other followers, you've got it backwards. See, Jesus dove into this. He smashes our status quo, and he invites this lady in. He does a simple invitation. Hey, will you give me a drink? But man, Jesus wanted so much more for this woman. And listen how she responds. Listen what her response is to Jesus. Verse 27. It says, just then the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with the woman. I'm telling you, he smashed every status quo. They're going, what are you doing? Number one, we don't talk to women that we don't know, we're not married to. And what are you talking to a Samaritan for? Then he goes on to say, 
But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. All of us in this room, and this woman included, we come to a point where we need to respond to the invitation that Jesus gives us. We need to begin to process this. This woman began to process this. She asked questions, and then I love that the text said this. It said, leaving her jar at the wa- of water, she went back into the town and invited the town and simply said this, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Anybody ever go to a store to get one thing and you leave with another? Right? You, sometimes you might go to Lowe's to buy a gallon of paint and you come out with a mower, right? And you come home and you're like, how did that happen? I don't know, right? My wife and I have the running joke that when she goes to Target, right? All right, you know, I'm not even going to point out anything here, all right? But when you just go to Target, she's like, yeah, I'm just going to get a few things. There's a reason why they put that dollar station right there when you walk in. Like, I'm, un- I'm unpacking bags. I'm like, what happened? She's like, I think the Spirit was leading me to chip and join a gains, you know, to, like, to change our house and all this stuff. And I'm like, you went for trash bags. Like, what happened? We got new pillows. But we go places And we experienced something new. This woman went out to the well to get water. And then the scripture says she left it and went back into the town. Spiritually, you and I, we carry around a bucket in our life. That woman was carrying around the shame of five men who had used and abused and kicked her to the curb. And all she knew is this. I'm a Samaritan, and nobody wants me. That's what she was going to fill up with the jar with that day. I got nothing to offer anybody. So she begins to think, all I can do is just use, and use guys to get what I need because that's what she's carrying. For some of us in this room, you, you feel like all you have, what defines you, what makes you is your career. So you carry around your career and you will sacrifice your family. You will sacrifice your health. You will sacrifice integrity to keep your career going because you're going, that's, all, that's my bucket. That's my identity. I don't know what it is for you. For me in high school, this was the problem. I was good at being good because I knew what people should do. The only problem is this. Too much, I based my identity and my worth on how good I could be. And what happens is this. We always find compared to Jesus. This is the reason why the, the word gooder isn't real. Because there's no, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't be gooder enough. And what did the woman do when she met Jesus? She dropped the bucket. The tough love of Jesus invites you and I to drop the bucket. 
We know what it's like to carry around a five-gallon bucket full of water, don't we? You don't just carry it around like this. A lot of times it's one hand, that's high, that, that hand's tired, so you got to go two. Then if you try to do this, it's spilling all over you. And Jesus goes, whoa, did you drop the bucket? I'm not asking you to base your life and your worth off what you are or what you've done. I want to give you living water. And she runs back into the town. She didn't think she was going to meet Hope that day. And then she met Jesus. And Jesus invited her in to a new way of living. She leaves her water jar and she goes into this town. And did you hear what she said? Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Sometimes I make inviting people to come to church or meet Jesus way too difficult, don't we? All she said was this, come See a man who told me everything I ever did. Matter of fact, Judd Wilhite, who's the pastor out of the church in Las Vegas that we moved from, I love this quote. He says this because in Vegas, people are going, yeah, I got a lot I got to drop, man. I got a lot of buckets I need to drop. I love this quote that he gives. This is what he tells his church, and I took this to heart. He said, what we need to remember is our mess becomes our message to people. If you want to invite people to Jesus, let them know about the mess that Jesus has saved you from. Come see a man who has saved me from this mess. Just come see him. Just come meet this man. And listen what happens in verse 39. It said, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Many from this town. See, this is what happens. Jesus invites us in and he goes, but this invitation isn't just for you. This invitation is for you to now give to others, to say, come see this man. Because isn't it the ones that we want to, you go, yeah, Nate, you're a pastor. You know what? I want to talk with somebody else who has been through this. Great. Go find someone else who has been and walk through what you've done. Matter of fact, on September 10th, we're kicking off Celebrate Recovery where it's a place for people who have been hurt by others or who are struggling or have addiction to meet others to say, Christ has changed your life. Let me help you come see a man who's told me everything I've ever did. Because Christ comes in and he fills us with this living water. And this woman begins to invite her town. You know how freeing she wanted to hide and avoid. That's why she was at the well at that time going, I want to avoid everybody because everybody knows what I've done. And now Jesus comes in and changes her. And he says, you know what? And she just takes off and goes, just come see a man. And this is what I love is Jesus gives another invitation because some of you go, man, I remember that. I remember I dropped that bucket a long time ago. But listen what happens next. In verse 31, it said, meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. You ever had somebody say something to you that had no clue what was going on? These disciples come back from Kroger full of, you know, bags of grocery. This woman's life was just changed. A town is coming to Jesus and they go, can we eat some of you are saying that right now. Can we go eat? You know, can we get out of here? But he said to them, that's what Jesus says. I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? <laughs> this is why we read the Bible. It makes us feel better about ourselves. We go, if the disciples miss it, I've got a chance. Did somebody already feed him? Jesus, he's sitting there going, guys, guys. Listen to what he says. 
My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do not say four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Don't say we'll invite somebody to church at Christmas. It's now. We don't need to wait another four months. Open your eyes. This week, I was going to life group, and we had to stay home because a couple of our kiddos were sick, but I was responsible to drop off plates and forks and cups on Thursday night for our life group. And on the way home from here, I went by a store on the way home, and I picked up like 15 plates, you know, and 15 forks. And then how they do it at like those smaller stores, it's like, you know, $12 for 12 red solo cups, you know, or $15 for 100. And you're like, Fine, I'll give you another $3, right? And I went to check out at the, at the checkout station, and the man looked at me. I had, you know, 15 plates, 15 forks, 100 cups. And the guy looked at me, and he goes, either you're having a barbecue or the world's biggest game of beer pong. I'm not kidding you, man. And in that moment, I'm sitting here, and I'm going, do I tell him what this is for? Do I say, oh, this is for my life group at church, or I would just go, yeah, man, I'm going to eat. <laughs> Duh. You know, they got it. This word kept coming to my mind. Nate, open your eyes. Look at the fields. I said, uh, it's actually for my life group, for my church. And he goes, huh, what, what church you go to? I said, just down the road, Northside Christian Church. And then he goes, wait, you're the pastor. <laughs> he did, man. He's like, oh. And the beer pong and all that. You know, and like, he goes, wait, you're the pastor. I said, yeah, man. Yeah. Then he said, my girlfriend and I came there last weekend for the first time. I walked out of that store. And all I could hear was Jesus in my heart and in my ear going, Nate, open your eyes. Open your eyes. You know what invitation I just needed to give that clerk? Yeah, this stuff is for my life group. You know how Jesus started the conversation with this woman at the well? Will you give me a drink? Not, if you're not a Christian, you're going to hell. <laughs> well, tell me more. <laughs> Will you give me a drink? This is for my life group. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be what? Filled. Filled, Not become a follower of Jesus, and maybe, maybe your heart will be satisfied. What did he tell the woman? I have living water. Tough love invites us to bring an appetite. 
Jesus says, I want you to drop your bucket. Nate, quit trying to be gooder. Because you'll get cut from the team. But Nate, I want you to hunger and thirst for righteousness for me. Because when you do, you will be filled. Your heart will be filled. Nate, come after the living water because then when you have the living water of me in your life, your soul won't thirst again. Isn't it true that we, everybody says all humanity needs food and water and yet Jesus is described in the scriptures as the living water and the bread of life. Jesus is our necessity to life. Question for you and I today is this. What invitation has Jesus given you? Do you realize that he smashed the status quo to come meet you and I? He smashed the status quo. We carried these buckets around. And he goes, I know you haven't put that bucket down, but I'm still coming for you. And even when you're not coming for me, I'm coming for you. Have you dropped that bucket? Because Jesus says, I want, I want you to drop that bucket so you can have living water, so your soul can be set free, so that you can hunger and thirst for righteousness, so you can be filled. He had to give the invitation to the disciples. Hey, guys, open your eyes. The harvest is ripe. People just need you to invite. Come see a man who told me everything. I ever did. What we want to do is we just want to give you a few seconds just to pray and talk to Jesus and go, Jesus, what are you inviting me to right now? Because he's inviting you and I, just like he invited this woman at the well, to a life in him. Take a moment right now and just be open and honest. Say, God, where are you inviting me? What are you calling me to? I want to follow you. Take a moment and talk to the Lord right now. Then I'll come back and wrap us up.